0: Well, good morning, Journey. So good to see you guys here. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, as Ryan shared. I want to also welcome those of you who are watching in the venue or online, wherever you're watching from. God bless you guys. We're so glad you're here today. Um, Welcome, especially to those of you who are here from out of town who came uh, to Journey to make us part of your Thanksgiving weekend. We're honored that you would be our guests and uh, so happy that you're here today. Um, I've got a couple of things I get to share uh, with you guys that I'm really excited about, super pumped about. The first one is this. By the way, my name is is mike evans i'm the discipleship pastor here at journey okay so you're like who is that guy it's not christian you'll see why you'll see but anyway uh (laughs) rewind start over here we go December 15th, two and a half weeks away, we have our building dedication journey. Are you excited about this? I'm so pumped about um, moving all of us being together. Right now we're in three services in here and two in our venue, and we're going to be all together real soon. But we're going to dedicate that um, on Wednesday night, December the 15th, Pastor Christian and um, a good friend of his in ministry, Pastor Daniel Floyd and our worship team. And we're going to just have an amazing time of worship Learning, prayer, and celebration together as we kind of close one chapter in a sense and begin a new chapter in the life of Journey. Come early, just come to our building dedication across the atrium in the new building on December the 15th. Another thing I'm super excited about is our new service times. In three weeks, um, we're going to have, we're going to go from three in here and two in the venue to two services total. Can I get an amen journey? I know. It's going to be awesome in the auditorium across the way, but make a note on the special times, 845 and 1030. If you come in three weeks to the 11 o'clock, y'all going to be late. So, uh, so just make a note of the service times 30 minutes earlier, um, just to, uh, just to make sure you're aware of that. Well, if you know me at all, you know I'm a pretty excitable guy. If my favorite sports team wins, guess what happens? You get to hear about it. If if something really neat spiritually happens, someone makes a spiritual decision or has a baptism in their family, I want to talk about it. I get excited. I'm just kind of a, a guy who loves to share good news, kind of extroverted that way. And, and with, for that reason, I'm really excited to get to share the story that I'm going to share with you guys today out of Luke 17. Because I can really relate to one of the characters that we find in that story, as he um, as he does something that I think is pretty amazing. That we can together as a church family learn a lot from. So the goal of today's message, before we dig into that, is this: it's simply to learn to live with gratitude because of Jesus. Our pa- our passage of study today is found in Luke's Gospel, the third book in our New Testament, chapter seventeen verses 11 through 19. We're going to talk about the story of the 10 lepers and the one who came back. And we're going to learn three lessons on gratitude from him today that I think could impact your life if you open your heart to what God wants to say to you. So to that end, could we just pray together and ask for God's Holy Spirit to work in all of our hearts? Will you bow and join me in prayer? Lord, for many people here today, this has been a crazy week of travel, of food, and family, and um, God, for some, it's been an awesome time. For others, it's been kind of a challenging time, a difficult time, but Lord, we're all here today, and collectively, we take a deep breath, and we open our hearts to you and say, Lord Jesus, speak to us as only you can. Rightly, as we seek to rightly divide the word of truth, would you speak to every single heart in a way um, that would touch us, change us? and move us to be different than we were when we came in today. Bless this talk, bless this message, and bless all of us who are here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. But before we dig in to Luke 17, I want to kind of set the context. It's always helpful when you study the scripture to kind of know what's going on in the in the uh, environment around uh, the, the passage we're going to study. So I'm going to kind of set a little context for you guys. Jesus is kind of... Heading towards the end of his public ministry, a lot of his ministry is held in the north part of Israel, around the region of Galilee, um, near where he grew up. But um, it says in in Luke's Gospel that Jesus, at a certain time, set his face towards Jerusalem. And as he set his face towards Jerusalem, which was going to be his final place, you know, he's going to um, when he gets to Jerusalem in this in that moment, that's where the trial is going to happen. That's where he's going to be crucified and resurrected and ascended into heaven. So, but on the way, as he set his face towards Jerusalem. He continued to to love people, particularly the hurting and the sick. And he continued to teach on the kingdom of God to anyone who would listen. And bottom line, Jesus is just loving people rich, poor, male, female, children, adults, Jew, Gentile, didn't matter. If you had a need, Jesus was ministering to you along the way. So that's kind of the context of our story. Jesus is heading towards his final weeks of life in Luke chapter 17. And here's what happens in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee from the north heading south. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So ten diseased men, ten men who were living outside of the city walls, ostracized, isolated, kind of alone in their condition. What we want to do to unpack this story, what I want to do with you is I want to kind of unpack this story by um, first sharing what these 10 men in the story all had in common. So the first thing they all had in common is that they all 10 found themselves in a desperate place. They all had leprosy, which we would today call Hansen's disease. It was a, it was a, it robbed people of the inability of the ability to feel pain. uh, So they, so their fingers would, they would lose feeling their fingers and literally their fingers would fall off because it would burn them or hurt them and they wouldn't feel pain. So they would get infected. And it was just, it was honestly kind of gross to, to, to see what was, what would happen to people The the priests who were the ones that kicked them out of the city, uh, made them grow their hair really long. And when anyone and never, never bathe, um, At all, and if someone came near them, um, within 50 feet of them downwind, they were to yell the words unclean so that they knew that someone unclean was in their midst. Basically, this was a death sentence. Um, If you had a disease like this, you were forced to kind of live out your days kind of isolated alone outside the walls of the city. Here's another thing they all had in common. All 10 cried out to Jesus for help from a distance. Now, Normally, if you're in a condition like the men in the story we find ourselves in are in, um, they would see someone coming by and they would cry out for alms or for, for money. But in this case, they re- recognized that Jesus was a master. Jesus had was a person of authority. And so rather than asking for money, they were asking him for mercy. It says, they say, Jesus have pity on us. That word pity in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, literally meant this, to do something about the situation that they were in. So basically they're saying, Jesus, you have the authority and the ability to do something about the situation where you're in, that we are in. Will you have mercy on us? Will you have pity on us? So that's, that's something else that they had in common. Here's one other thing that all 10 had in common, and that is this, that they were all seen by Jesus. Now, this is a really important detail to the story, and it's a really important detail for this message today. You see, because like I said, lepers in that day were invisible. Basically, they were isolated, ostracized, and the reason they were kicked out is because they made people feel uncomfortable by the way they looked. But in the story, get this, Jesus saw them like he sees you. Jesus saw these lepers like he sees you. And I don't mean like, like I see that wall or I see the camera. Hi, online friends, or I see you. Not, not like that. Not like I just see you like a person or, a, or an object. He saw into their hearts. He saw into them. The Greek uh, says that he, he, that word saw means to perceive with inward spiritual Perception. So he saw their desperation. He saw their pain. He saw their loneliness. He saw their need for someone to help them. And like I said, the one who saw the lepers, you guys also sees you. Jesus sees you. In fact, that was what Jesus's ministry and really his life was all about, was seeing people, helping people, serving them and healing them. Um, this this was uh, written by a theologian, Joel Green, about Jesus in the book of Luke. And this kind of speaks to the mission and what Jesus was all about. And I love this. It says, Jesus, in fact, serves as healer to the sick. Those who by demonic possession, accident of birth, sin or whatever cause lack physical wholeness. The sick are made well. Those oppressed by evil spirits are set free. Lepers are cleansed, like in our story. The dead are raised. Even a slave is not too lowly to be healed by Jesus. In Jesus' ministry, sinners are accepted. Children were welcomed. Even Samaritans are not outside the reach of Jesus' mission. In journey, neither are you. You are not outside the reach of Jesus' mission. Some of you are here today and you don't feel, if you were honest with me, if we were sitting across the table and it was just you and me, you would say, "The thing, Pastor Mike, the things I've done, the things I've seen, the things I've said, the things that have happened to me, I don't feel worthy of the love of God in my life. Like, I don't know why he would give me his grace. And can I say to you this morning, I'm gonna say it over and over again, God's arm is not too short to save. God's arm is not too short to redeem. God's arm is not too short to forgive. Even the deepest of sinners. That's what Jesus's ministry was all about. Extending grace and forgiveness to those who are hurting and needing of healing. Let me show you one last thing that all, all 10 of these guys had in common. All 10 did what Jesus told them to do and received supernatural healing from Jesus as they went. So those are four things that all ten of these guys had in common, and they were all in a desperate place. They um, cried out to Jesus from a distance for mercy and help to help a brother out. All, all three, Jesus saw them like He sees us, and then all three were sent by Jesus to go do something. He could have snapped his fingers and healed them, right? But He sent them into town to the priest, the same priest who ostracized them, to show that priest. Guess what? Somebody's in town who can heal the sick, and heal the hurting, and heal the person in pain. So that's what happened here in the story. But you guys know, if you know the story, there's one person in the story who kind of set himself apart, who was different than the rest. There was only one who came back praising God in a loud voice. There was only one who threw himself at Jesus' feet. There was only one who actually came back to thank Jesus, You see, in the story, the nine lepers rushed to what Jesus provided for them by his power. For community, they got to go home. For family, they got to go be with their families. For life, for freedom, for healing. All things they lacked because of the condition that they found themselves in. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, asking for help, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a difference between the nine and the one. And the the story of the one is the secret of living a life of gratitude. You see, the one, he he rushed to Jesus because he just wanted Jesus. See, here's the deal. It's one thing to want something from Jesus. Nothing wrong with that. We all need Jesus, right, to help us. But it's another just to want Jesus. And it's in learning to just want Jesus to be with him, to know him, to learn from him, to be at peace in him, that's the secret to gratitude. And there's just something about this one leper's response, you guys, isn't there, to being healed. His gratitude, his joy, his spirit that I wanna see be true in my life. You know, that leper, he saw something that the others didn't. He saw that he was seen and it changed him. And can I say it again, journey, Jesus sees you. There's no question in my mind from the scripture that Jesus sees you. And that should put a smile on your face. That should put a skip in your step. That should bring a song to your heart. You're gonna hear a song in a little bit, trust me. And it will bring a song to your heart. No matter what place you find yourself in, Jesus sees you. And listen, I know this season is awesome. It's a fun season for so many people, but for others, this is a difficult season. And I'm not just talking about Thanksgiving through Christmas. I'm just talking about the season that we're in as a nation and as a people, as a world. And some of you come in here today and you've brought what you've brought into this, into this room, into this auditorium or to the venue space or online, what you've brought into this moment is loneliness. Can I say to you that Jesus sees you in your loneliness? He sees you in the times where you don't know if anyone cares whether you live or die. He sees you there. In fact, he said in John chapter 10, verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's John 10, 28. Here's the beautiful picture of the gospel. You don't hold on to Jesus. Jesus holds on to you. And because of that, you are never, ever alone. You may feel alone, but I love how Pastor Christian says this a lot. He says, sometimes we need to tell our, tell our, I feel what I know. And the truth is, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, because you don't hold on to him, but he holds on to you, you are never, ever alone. Somebody smile in this place. That's good news, you guys. That's the gospel, that you're never alone. Some of you here, maybe you don't bring in loneliness, but you bring in confusion. You bring in some serious confusion. And I want you to know that in the trying times that we're experiencing where you don't know what to do or to say, or maybe some of you don't even know what to believe. Maybe some of you young people, you, your parents believe one thing and you're kind of questioning, do I believe what they believe? Can I say to you that in the confusion, Jesus says this, John sixteen thirty three says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace, that in me, you may have peace in the world. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have heartache. No question about it. We've all experienced it. But take heart. He doesn't say things are going to get better. He doesn't say, look up. He says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Because Jesus Christ is on the throne, you can have peace. You can have clarity in the confusion that is going on around you. See, Jesus brings clarity where we see confusion. We just need to see with the eyes of faith and not the eyes of doubt. Or maybe your issue this this morning or kind of this season of your life is is frustration and anger. I've met with so many people over the past couple of months where that is a real issue with them that anger and frustration is, whether it's because of what's happening in our community or just interpersonal challenges they're facing where they just can't seem to get along. There's just this sense of angst among so many people today. And can I say to you this morning that Jesus sees you right where you are. And here's what he says. It's one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. I think if we took this passage and we really let it go to seed in our hearts, it would change the way we view God, each other, and the world. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, wish I could teach what that means on time. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. He is never in a hurry. He's never in a rush. He's always at peace. And he always is saying, come to me because I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. How many of you, is there anyone in here who needs rest in your soul today? Rest in your soul is found in Jesus. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when we give our anger, we give our angst, we give our frustration to Jesus, he doesn't necessarily remove the situations from us, but he gives us peace in the middle of them. And isn't that what we really want anyway? Peace in the middle of it, not to escape the heartache, but to say, God, give me peace in the middle of it. Help me to grow from it. Don't waste the hurt, but use it to glorify yourself and help other people. But to the lonely, to the confused, to the frustrated, to, to if, you're, if you're struggling, maybe you're struggling in this season and you look at this holiday season and you're like, I'm not, I'm not trying to thrive in this holiday season. I'm just trying to survive this holiday season. We wanna, as a church, come alongside you and help you. There are people in this church that have been through great pain, who are here, who want to help you if you're in that same place. Like, for example, if you're experiencing grief, maybe you've lost a parent or a loved one, someone who was close to you, maybe recently, or maybe just the holidays kind of conjure all of that up all over again. Our Grief Share team, who's a great group of wonderful godly people, want to help you. If you're someone else who's experienced the pain of divorce, maybe you've been through it yourself, or people close to you have, and you're like, man... I just, need, I just need a boost. I just need some encouragement. I just need some some help to survive the holidays as we're kind of trading kids and just all the craziness of the season's happening. We have a uh, an event we're, we're hosting here at Journey on December, Monday, December the 13th. It's called Surviving the Holidays. The grief share um Surviving the Holidays is at six o'clock. The divorce care is at 6.30. We'll have some information on little cards out in the lobby. But we wanna invite you, have the courage. I know it takes courage to come to something like that, but have the courage to say, I need some help. I need some people to kind of come around and come alongside me. Come to the Surviving the Holidays event. We also have our Celebrate Recovery ministry that's here every single Monday night at 6.30 all year round. And they would also love to help you as well. Basically, what I'm trying to say to you is this. We want to help you in that place. Okay, so let's get back to, though to our story. Um, one of the key differences between the nine and the one, between the nine lepers who never came back and the one leper who did, is, it, is this, that there's a difference between seeking God's power and seeking his presence. See, the nine experienced God's power. All 10 of them experienced God's power. But the nine, that's where it stopped. The one sought his presence, and that was the key. That's really the key to gratitude. You guys, the question is not, does Jesus see you? The question really is, does Jesus, or do you see Jesus back? Do you see him back? That's really the question that I wanna challenge you to consider here This morning. And as we kind of turn a corner in the message, I want to look back at that story in Luke 17 and learn three keys to gratitude, three keys to seeing Jesus back and living a life full of gratitude. And here's the first one. Number one, grow your worship heart. The text says this, it says that he came back, the one leper came back praising God in a loud voice. That one leper couldn't help but praise God for the miracle he had experienced. And so, and one of the things that happens with us, and you might know this, when we open ourselves up to God's work in our life and when we see him begin to do things in our life, it it sets our hearts on Jesus and it leads us to praise him like the one leper came back to do in our story. You know, and... um. I was reminded as I was putting this message together of my favorite baseball player growing up. You're like, Pastor Mike, why are you reminded of him? Well, let me tell you why. My favorite baseball player growing up um, when I was in high school um, and even college was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers named Oral Hershizer. I think I just liked his name. I thought it was kind of a cool, I mean, I've never met an Oral and uh, his last name Hershizer just sounded funny, but he was kind of a tall, lanky, Kind of a nerdy looking guy, to be honest with you, which I'm not tall and I'm not lanky, but I am nerdy looking. So that's kind of how I relate to him. But anyway, um, Earl Hershizer was one of the best pitchers in baseball in those days. And in 1988, he did something that no one else had ever done before. He pitched, he was a pitcher, he pitched 59 scoreless innings in a row. That year, their team, the Dodgers, won the World Series. He won the Cy Young Award, which is for the best pitcher in the National League. And he also won league MVP, which is really hard to do as a pitcher because you only play every five days, right? So one of the things that was unique about hershiser he was a Christian. And uh, one of the things that was unique about him is every t- every inning, when he'd finish an inning and he'd go into the dugout, he'd take a towel and he'd wrap his arm around in it uh, to keep his arm warm. And then he would sit by himself and he would just kind of sing and hum to himself, and you could, if the camera would zoom in on him and you could see him singing, you couldn't tell what he was singing, but he would just sit there and sing to himself. And so after the season was over, um, he was on the Johnny Carson show. They, they kind of bring the best athletes on. And and um, if you don't know who the Johnny Carson show is, just ask your parents, okay? They'll tell you later. It's a late night talk show. Um, and uh, that, that night, Johnny Carson said, hey, congratulations on the big win. Way to go. Um, America has a question though. What in the world? They showed a picture of him or a video of him singing in the dugout. And they said, what is it that you are singing while you're in the dugout? And he said, oh, that's easy. I'm sitting there singing the doxology. The dox what? The doxology. He said, and Carson said, well, what's that? And why would you sing that? He goes, well, it's just a simple little song that reminds me to keep perspective and to be grateful for the good gifts God has given me. And it goes like this. If you grew up in church or maybe you are from a more traditional church, you'll, remember, you'll know the words. It starts, it's, I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> that comes later. Praise God, it starts with this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow to start with gratitude, to thank God for his blessings. Praise him all creatures here below. That's us, we're the creatures. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. That's the angels. And then praise father, son, and holy ghost. Hersheiser said this, when I praise God, it gives me perspective. What gives you perspective? One of the things that that we need to help us continue to have an attitude of gratitude is to grow our worship heart. He would sing. Me, I'm not such a singer. I'm just going to be really honest with you. Um, And so I'm really grateful for the fact that um, worship is not just singing, even though I love to sing. But you know... One of the reasons, if you've seen me in a service, me and my wife, Wendy, in a service, um, we usually come to the 8 o'clock, not the 11 o'clock if I'm not teaching or doing other things here. Um, But we always sit in the very front row. And the reason why we always sit in the front row is because no one should be subjected to me hearing them sing. You know, no one standing in front of me should ever hear hear me sing because that would push them away from Jesus, not towards him, okay? Because I really... uh, I'm not a great singer, but but I like to sing. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh, Mike, of course you can sing. You're not a bad singer. Yes, I am. In fact, I'm going to prove it to you. Okay, I have a video. This was from a, about a year and a half ago at a at a Wednesday night student ministry um, we had. And I was getting ready to teach. I had my headset mic on and I had turned it on because I thought that I was muted in the back. And I was muted in the house, in the auditorium. But from there was a glitch or something. I was not muted online, on the online. And, oh, it gets better. And I was also not muted in the ears of the people leading the worship. And so this happened about a year and a half ago. Come on, let's just give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on, give Him a shout of praise. We say, I raise a hallelujah
1: in the presence of my
0: enemies. I raise a hallelujah. For than the unbelief, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Oh, heaven comes to fight for me. Okay, that's enough. I'm that's enough. All right. Okay. Did I, did I make my case? I think I did. I cannot sing. (laughs) One of the funny things about that is I was telling my daughter, Mindy, who's 16, that I was planning on sharing this and, uh, in the service. And she looked at me, she goes, dad, like I show that to people like every week or two, like everyone's already seen it. So in case you hadn't, in case you're one of those people who had not um, there it is. I can, I can't sing, but you know what I can do? As a follower of Jesus I can worship Amen. I can worship And here's why I know that to be true. Back in when I was in college at Baylor, um, on my freshman year, I went to a Bible study every Monday night called Choice, and Choice was led by a guy who's become very well-known in Christian circles today. His name's Louis Giglio. And uh, so he was in graduate school, just a little older than I am, and uh, he would lead this Bible study. It was an hour of worship and an hour of him teaching. In my freshman year, he spent the entire year, I still have the notes from these messages, he spent an entire year teaching on worship. And he gave us this definition of worship that I'll never forget. I've known it, I've known it that for my, over 30 years now. Worship is our, it's not singing. It's our response to God for who he is and for what he's done, expressed in and through the words we say and the way we live. See, worship isn't simply singing. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is how you live your life. And we need to grow that worship Heart and see a lifestyle of worship fuels an attitude of gratitude. And my, my story, my life has really been a story of trying every year, just doing better to grow my worship heart. Guys, I'm overwhelmed to be here, and I'm overwhelmed by the grace of God in my life. Many of you know my story. I was the first Christian in my family, uh, first person to receive Christ in my family at a camp when I was 10 years old. The next year, my brother went to that same camp. My younger brother, he received Christ. The next year, my mom received Christ. So we're all followers of Jesus now. But kind of from the very beginning of my journey with Jesus, I've wanted the point of my life to simply be this to never recover from the gospel, to never recover from the incredible, amazing truth that God, as, it says, as the scripture says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To never recover from that, to let that move my heart, to let that move my life. And you know, that's the story of this leper. That's the story of this leper. He, he, he saw Jesus back. And because of that, it moved him to do what he did. See, the question isn't what does Jesus see? He sees you. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. You matter to God. And because you matter to God, you matter to us. The question is not, does Jesus see you? The question is, do you see him back? One way we want to help you see Jesus back here, one of the things I'm really excited about as we open the new building across the hall there is this. Um, as you walk in, the auditorium will be on the right, but on your left, there will be a, a room called the Jacob's Ladder Prayer Room. And we're, we've built this room, it's kind of Pastor Chris's dream based on a, room, a similar room that he um, gets, to go, gets to be in when he goes to Jerusalem in Israel called the Jerusalem Prayer Center. And it's um, this room that we're building here where you can walk into that, that room anytime during business hours or on Sunday mornings, and you can walk in and look to your right. And on the walls, there'll be there are all kinds of different things. And you'll learn how to, be, how to do a better job adoring Jesus for who he is. There'll be a station where you can confess your sin to Jesus. There'll be a, a television that will be running the names of God, just one after another after another. There'll be a place where you can present your requests to God, a wall where you can do that in there. And then as you look to the left, there'll be a place where you, a, a wall of intercession where you can, which basically just means praying for things, um, where you can pray for our church and our community of Kansas City and our nation and our world. And we're so excited about this room, not just because the prayers that'll go up there, because it'll, but because it'll grow your worship heart. It'll teach you to be dependent on Christ more and to learn to live with gratitude. So that's the first key to living a life of gratitude. Let's look at the second one. The second one is simply this, to learn a humble posture, to learn a humble posture. You say, Pastor Mike, what do you mean by that? Well, what did the leper do in the story? It says he, he came to God Jesus and praised him, but then it says he threw himself at Jesus's feet. The English Standard Version says he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. Like Abraham fell on his face in Genesis 17 in the presence of God. Like the three closest apostles of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, fell on their faces before Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. Like the angels fall on their faces around God's throne as an act of worship in Revelation chapter 7. Listen, it is so important as followers of Jesus... And as people who have been blessed like we've been blessed by God to recognize consistently that we need to throw ourselves at Jesus' feet. Why? Because he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. And as we humble ourselves before him, that keeps us in that posture of dependence on him. You say, Mike, what do you mean by humility? Well, Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren has a great definition of humility. It's this, it says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not humiliating yourself. It's thinking of yourself less and more about Him when your life is marked by honoring Him and not what you can get out of things. And you know, the older I get, guys, I'm 52 years old. Um, And you know, some people would call that middle age. I don't know any 104-year-olds. I had someone between the services say, I know someone who's 104. I'm like, how many? And she said, one. And I was like, that's cool. But the point is, I'm not in middle age. I'm kind of, let's be honest, I'm rounding second and if the Lord gives me the years that I hope he gives me, I'm kind of rounding second and heading towards third in my life. But I want to grow every year in my need for God and his grace. And the older I get, the more aware I am that I need him and the more grateful I am that he would love me, that he would use me, that he would help me. And hopefully that's your spirit as well. Just an unbelievable, just humbled gratitude that we all want to grow in, and as I get older, one of the gifts of getting older is this: that I'm—I just the older I get, the the more done I am, just trying to impress people, anyone but Jesus in my life. You know, and let, let me say it this way: get over impressing anyone but Jesus with your life. Live for an audience of one. Live to know Him and to make Him known to a lost and hurting world. Be on mission like that and you will live a life of gratitude. I mean, you know, aren't you so grateful, Journey, that he loves you? I mean, we sit here and we hear these messages and they're so good and they're so full of truth and grace, but do you just sometimes just kind of get amazed that God would love you? I do. Aren't you amazed at his grace that sustains you, that, that, that gives you meaning in life? I, aren't you incredibly amazed that we get to be here together in this season of history to be a part of what God is doing here? Do you ever just think about that and go, wow, and you pinch yourself? I pinch myself that I get to serve on this team with these people and with you for the glory of God and the good of this community and this world. Aren't you so grateful that the life of Jesus flows through broken vessels? You don't have to get your, get your, clean up your act and get it all together and then come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus and he puts you back together and we get to help. Aren't you grateful for the gospel this morning? Aren't you grateful for the good news of Jesus? Listen, this life is a roller coaster for you and it is for me. But one of the things that we need to do is we need to consistently humble ourselves to Jesus just like the one leper did in the story and say, you are God and we are not. That's what we learned from him. You see that one leper, he didn't care what other people thought. He didn't care what his friends thought. He didn't care what his family thought. He didn't care what anybody thought. The only thing he cared about is what Jesus knew. And he models for us that posture of humility. That's what we want to be. That's what want. If you want to live a life of gratitude, it comes with realizing that he is God and that we are not. Here's the third key to a gratitude-filled life. To a gratitude-filled life. Number three, build a thankful spirit. It says that he didn't just throw himself at Jesus' feet, but he thanked him. He verbally thanked him. Don't miss that word thankfulness. It's the word, Greek word eucharisteo. Charis means grace. This EU prefix means good. So it literally means good grace. We, we use it in our language, in our vernacular. We transliterate it to mean give thanks. That's why the one leper in this story, th- thanking Jesus is so powerful because see, we know what he's been healed from. We know he had this disease that ostracized him from his family and from his people. We know that he was alone. We know that he was poor. We know that his hair was grown long. We know that if anyone came within 50 feet of him downwind, he literally had to say the word unclean, and he had been healed. No wonder he came to Jesus and said, thank you. No wonder he... See, the secret to having a thankful spirit is to recognize that you... Like the leper, we're in a def- desperate situation. It may not have looked the same, but you were in a situation that you could not save yourself from. But God in his grace saved you. And that's what we wanna be marked as. We wanna be marked as a church that has a faithful, thankful spirit. And as I close, let's kind of wrap up the conversation that Jesus had with this one leper. He says, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed, where are the other nine? Of course, he knew where the other nine were, but he's, Jesus loved. have you noticed that in the gospels? He asks rhetorical questions all the time. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see in our story today, all 10 were physically healed. All 10 got to go home. All 10 got to be around their family and their community again. But just one in our story was made well. See, journey, a touch from Jesus is great. And we need those from time to time, don't we? We need his healing touch. We need his provision. We need his blessing. Nothing wrong with that. But it's a whole other thing to be made well. And it starts with seeing him back. With having a spirit that goes, I realized, Jesus, how desperately lost I was and how your grace is what found me that is the root of having a thankful thankful spirit so journey here's the question do you want something from Jesus or do you just want Jesus i hope you just want Jesus because he brings clarity to the confusion he brings peace in the frustration he brings community to the loneliness He is a good God and he loves you. Guys, the best book I've read this year is a book called Live No Lies. Is by, I'd recommend it to you. It's by a guy named John Mark Comer. Um, And in that book, he talks a little bit about gratitude. And he says this, he says, the daily decision to rejoice, a daily decision to cultivate a way of seeing our lives in God's good world, not through the lenses of our phones, our news apps or the flesh, But through gratitude, celebration, and I love this, unhurried delight, will over time form us into joyful, thankful people who deeply enjoy life with God and others. Do you want that? Are you hungry for that? I know I am. I don't want to be consumed by the confusion and the loneliness and the angst and the frustration like I so often am. I want to be so connected to Jesus and loving him. It's a daily decision to do it. He says, what starts as an act of the will eventually turns into our inner nature. It just is who we become. We become that person. What begins with a choice eventually becomes a character. And it starts right here with the recognition of the fact journey that Jesus sees you. That Jesus sees you. But do you see him back? Do you see him back? And, And then as you see him back, Will you allow him to help you to grow that worship heart, to live in a posture of humility and to not to forget to say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you have done in your life. Maybe today for the first time ever or for the first time in a long time, you're ready to be seen by Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I don't know what it all means, but I wanna see you back. Like Pastor Mike talked about, I wanna wanna have a relationship with you. How do I do that? How does that work? How does that happen? Well, it starts with taking a step. It starts with, starts with what we would call taking a step of faith. And I'm gonna, lead, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a minute. And the words of the, of the prayer that I'm gonna pray aren't what make it magic or supernatural. It's the attitude of your heart is what makes it happen. And if that's not you, if you're a person here who, may, you've known Jesus for a long time, but if you were to be honest with me, you would say, Pastor Mike, my spirit has not been one of gratitude. Some of it is choices I've made. Some of it is things that other people have done to me. But I don't want to be controlled by outside influences anymore. I want to be compelled by the love of Jesus like that one leper was. Realizing he was in a desperate situation and just threw himself at Jesus' feet in humility and said, I want to live a life of gratitude to you. If that's you, if you need to come back home to Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity as well. Will you join me in prayer as we get ready to close today? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this story. I thank you for this reminder from your word that Jesus sees people, that Jesus loves people. Jesus loves the hurting, He loves the broken, He loves the ostracized, He loves the isolated. He loves the friendless. He loves everyone. But he didn't just say it. He put it into action. I thank you so much, God, for the fact that you demonstrated your love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And Lord, I want to take a moment and I want to pray for any in this room or any watching online who maybe for the first time ever They've kind of come face to face with the claims of Christ in such a way that they realize that they are sinners in need of a savior. And in the silence of this place and the safety of this moment, if that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer. Again, the, the, the words aren't the magic. The attitude of your heart is what changes things. So if your heart is ready to surrender to Jesus, just pray this Silently, while I pray it aloud, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open my heart to you and receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Take control of my heart, take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me. I sense in this moment that there are those in this room who have made that decision. And if you have made that decision, I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to know that you made that decision, not so that I can, you know, know for my own brain, but so that I can celebrate you so that we can celebrate that moment together. So if you're here today and you pray with me to say, Jesus, I want to, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I'm going to count to three. And I just would love you to raise your hand again so I can pray for you. And I can know and we can celebrate that news together. Ready? One, two, raise your hand if you prayed with me to ask Jesus to come into your life today. Keep it up high so I can see it. One, two, three. awesome Lord Jesus I thank you for these four people these four people who said I need Jesus, I need his grace I need his forgiveness Lord I pray that you would give us the opportunity to help them take their first steps with Jesus thank you so much that you are a saving God Lord I pray for any and all here today who need to come back their first love they've been controlled by things that are not called gratitude I pray that um, just in the not because of guilt but because of grace they would say Jesus I want to live a life of gratitude I repent of my sin of ingratitude and take me where I'm at help me to be like that one leper end of the story God we love you we're grateful for who you are we're grateful for what you have done we pray these things in Jesus precious name Amen And amen. Journey, can you put your hands together for four people here who said yes to Jesus? I know. I love it. So good.